Hey there. Thanks for joining us on The Small Podcast, where we uncover stories of dedicated small business owners who have sacrificed to grow and have creatively adapted to be where they are today. If we haven't met yet, my name is Scott Baer, and with me today are the co-owners of Farm Cart Organics in Carpinteria, California, Jason and Katie Lesh. Thanks so much for hanging out today. Of course. Thanks for having us, Scott. Of course. And for those who uh, don't know about you guys, how would you give a brief summary of what Farm Cart is? So we are a militantly organic business. Um, We completely believe that organic farming is super necessary and is really vital to the health of the land and the health of our people. Um, We started as a, you know, kind of direct line of descendants from Katie's father, who's kind of one of the original organic farmers in our area. We inherited his farm stand. Uh, We reopened it back up in Carpentry in 2012 as a fresh harvested you know, we were out in the back of my Toyota truck on his farm harvesting every single day for that farm stand. And we've grown from that ethos of super fresh picked, um, super accountable farmers and bringing, you know, the best value we possibly can to our customers. Um, today, we are a farm stand in Carpinteria and a 1500 person CSA. Um, for those of you that don't know, CSA stands for Community Supported Agriculture. So the way our CSA works is we are an extended CSA. We are not a single farm CSA. So you provide the loyalty to our five main local farmers and you get access to everything else that is available within 250 miles during all four seasons Mm. of the year. Plus now we're curating sustainable, transparent groceries. So anything that fits our model of knowing exactly where it comes from, being made with organic ingredients, being good, being super high quality, Um, we're curating a really awesome little grocery lineup. And we just started selling organic beers and wines. Nice. Which is super sick. (laughs) Why is it cool? Nothing to be quiet about. (laughs) It's it's kind of funny. I mean, we're we're farming and, and now we're drinking. So, <laughs> I mean, I feel like that's a better alternative too. Uh, yeah, I'd actually love to get into that, especially for the wine side a little later. Um, it, how did you guys get into this, into farming? How far back does this go? So Katie's dad, and she can expand on it. He is, you know, if you've ever seen shepherd salad on a menu anywhere ever, that was Katie's dad. He mm. was the first, you know, his name is Tom Shepherd. Shepherd salad, you know, I used to think it was like some type of like, type of salad but really it was named after katie's dad wow and so he was doing cut organic salad in the 70s 80s and 90s and so he started farming you know kind of in the back to land era in the mid 70s and he hasn't stopped and so it's always been in her blood for me um i've always been interested in real contributory businesses and businesses that can really make a real difference And so I have, you know, when you go back and you look at, you know, what is causing the most damage on the planet, what has the opportunity to contribute most positively to the planet, agriculture is really kind of number one. And so we, you know, we met and we both were passionate about the same thing. And we've been working together hand in hand in the field since we 
we're a young, fresh couple. I think we've been working side by side since we've known each other for three months. No, eight months. <laughs> so, you know, we've been on this mission together for quite a while and it's just um, grown little by little. That's amazing. And were you guys always intending to do this as a business or was there a certain point? Okay. What was that point then uh, that you guys went and decided this is what we want to do? So I, we, when we first met, we were intending to do clothing, but clothing from an agricultural sense. And so we were thinking, you know, we were looking to put together an organic clothing brand that was completely transparent and traced back to the farms. But we quickly realized that we were poor and that what we had most powerful access to was not the clothing side of the agriculture, but was the food side. Hmm. And so we kind of had to go back into, you know, and do some like family reconciliation because you never really want to completely continue your family legacy when you're a young ego driven man like myself. (laughs) And so we kind of stepped back. Okay, you talk. (laughs) She's giving me dirty looks on the side here. No, Um, I mean, well, we are together for about a year. We met, we traveled a little bit, and then we opened the farm cart about a year later. And at the same time, we were also trying to do with a clothing brand. Mm. And you have to understand, like, I was 20. I didn't know anything about business. But the farm stand, the farm cart, just like kind of, I just kept with it. And it just kept growing. And then there came to a time where we were like, all right, we're going to have to choose one or the other kind of. And the farm cart was doing decent, you know. And we kind of just decided, like, let's just stick it out with the farm the farm cart t- side of things. And Well, more than that, we really realized, like, you know, for me, like business is an integrity decision. Mm-hmm. And really, like there came a point where it was like, why would you try to go do the integrity that you're already doing here somewhere else yeah. with something else? And, you know, somewhere far away, like you can make these changes that you want to make right here now with the people who are already coming and already loving what you're doing. So why would you like pivot away just because your mind wants to when reality is like right here with food? And so we, you know, we, we, we made that decision, you know, maybe like six years ago yeah, to just stop thinking about the clothing and really yeah. like take the integrity that we were trying to do with the clothing and just make sure it yeah. continued with the food. Sometimes you just have to do um, what's necessary instead of like what you want to do, you know? And it was hard. Like I sat at the farm cart every day for like literally four years in the rain and the, in the wind and, you know, hard, you know, it was a hard, it was a hard time, but I'm glad that we stuck with it. Was there a point where you uh, were contemplating stopping and doing something else? Um. Yes. hundred <laughs> percent. There's been multiple times where we've had to talk each other off the ledge. You know, yeah, it's definitely it's, it's a hard, it's a hard business. Yeah, I mean, business is hard. Mm-hmm. You know, anybody that tells you that business isn't hard is not telling you the truth. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and when we first started, you know, we had some mentors and people who had been, you know, we started with no money, you know, absolutely no money. And you know, you have people tell you, you know, it's going to take you five years to get to the first step. And, you know, as a 20 year old, you know, she was 20 and I'm older, you know, this is my second business. I was 32, but, you know, we, 
you, you think five years, oh my gosh, that is so long. I don't know if we can work seven days a week and work every farm cart shift and every harvest shift and have a small child and try to have a farm and not have any savings and not have any extra money for five years. But, you know, and so there's like all these, always there's little opportunities of like, hey, so-and-so wants to buy your farm cart for next to no money, but it'll give you, you know, enough expenses for you to live for a couple months. Maybe you should do it. But, you know, we, you know, the good thing about our dynamic is that when I'm low, she's high. (laughs) And when she's high, I'm low. So when she wants to jump off the cliff, I don't. When I want to jump off the cliff, she doesn't. So we all we've tended to keep each other on the on the path on the cliff. <laughs> yeah. We're a little bit back, uh, <laughs> just back and forth. The cliff. <laughs> yeah, away from the cliff. Yeah, you know. So we we've been able to like like when there's been the chances to quit, one of us was like, "No, you're, you're ridiculous. We're almost there. Nice. It's getting better. This is cool. We're gonna yeah. we'll have an employee at some point." <laughs> what was the thing that you held on to? It's a great question. You know, um, our customers were so stoked. Like Hmm. you would hear really cool stories about like, um, like a, like a grandma, like literally coming out. She was like 80 and she would just come and buy one tomato. And she'd be like, this tomato made my whole day. That's all I'm doing today is I just wanted the tomato. (laughs) And like the response from the community, you know, um, we just, we were doing a good, we're doing a good thing. And, you know, I don't know. No, that's exactly it. You know, it's like you, when you hear somebody like, you know, when Devorah comes and is like, that was the best tomato I've had since I was 10 in my grandmother's backyard. And you, and you just hear that over and over again. And even though like you're sitting in the wind freezing (laughs) and you're selling $200 worth of product in a day and you're like barely making your rent, it's just like, and you're working to the bone, you're just like, the community is building you up. And, Mm. you know, the community was building us up little by little. And the community was was like, letting us know that we're doing a good thing. And they were coming back. And they were like, giving us the feedback that like kept our hearts kind of warm. And then you and then you just look around and you're like, what else would I do? Yeah, that's, that's my thing. It's like, what, 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 you know, I don't have a college degree, what else would I have done? It, and I don't look at it like that. For me, I look at the world as like, the world is mine for the taking. Yeah. And, and for me, it's like, what else would I do that has this type of integrity? What else yeah. would I do that if I could turn this into a $50 million business could benefit people on this level? Mm. You know, because if I, if we can turn this into a $50 million business and we can, you know, you know, plow a large portion of our profits into like making organic accessible for the poor people that are living in these food deserts where all they have is fast food and, you know, predatory liquor stores. Like that is way bigger than anything that I could do otherwise. And that's only kind of the tip of the iceberg. I mean, it's like, where are you going to dedicate your life? Yeah, that's huge. Was there something that happened in the past that made you realize that that was such an important way to spend your life with the organic side and just doing something better? So I think for me, it's like, I'm a science person and a research addict. And, you know, I went to university to do global warming research. And, you know, I, 
was at the transition point of going to graduate school or not right when 9-11 happened. And so, you know, we kind of like went backwards in time as far as like acknowledging planetary health after 9-11 and it became, you know, you guys are, you guys are arguing whether it's four degrees or it's seven degrees of warming. So, you know, like our administration is going to say you guys are full of it and we're just going to continue to get as much oil and drop as many bombs as possible. So I didn't want to fight against that. And I didn't want to like fight against the system to try to like get a point across that I didn't think was going to get across. So then you start going backwards and looking into like on the ground, where are the tangible changes that can be made? You know, where are the issues actually arising from? And so you go kind of back and you follow the money like backwards and you follow the planetary health issues backwards. And so you end up at animal agriculture you end up at, you know, you know, the textile industry and you end up in food and then you end up in in medicine and you end up in, you know, the warrants and, you know, combustibles and so on. And, you know, going and then you like kind of look at it and you're like, what? I don't want to work inside. And I want to be, you know, still attached to nature. So I want to be outside. Like what, like, where does my heart get fulfilled? And like, you know, I really like the tangible aspect of farming amongst like a million other things, but mainly because there's so much room for improvement Mm -hmm. and there's so much room to like utilize the traditional knowledges and the traditional practices and marry them with technology to make, you know, large scale changes in agriculture that will be way better for the farmer, way better for the consumer and way better for the planet. Got it. That's huge. And what do you, what did you see were the biggest opportunities with food that weren't being done that both of you decided to go in on together? You know, it's for us, it's, it's still really early. So we're, we're still kind of just trying to get off the ground, you know, and get out of, um, and get into a place where we can actually take advantage of the things that aren't being done. You know, right now for us, it was more just, you know, Katie was running her father's CSA and her father's CSA was a single farm CSA. And so on a single farm CSA, you, the consumer really makes a compromise with the, with their, with what they're eating in you know, and they make that compromise to provide full loyalty to the farmer. And so, you know, there were times when we, I remember, you know, one period where we had a lot of, um, what did we, I'm slipping up. We had a lot of turnips in the field. And so we're packing two bunches of turnips in the boxes every week for a month. And so those, you know, all the, the CSA members were just getting turnip after turnip after turnip after turnip. And so for us, we recognized quickly, like, hey, like, we want to eat a way more well-rounded diet. We want to eat, like, really everything that's available in our area so that we can get a huge, you know, to get all the nutrients and, you know, have something that's exciting. So we really, like, we recognize, like, we can't just be a single farm CSA. Like, we need to really, like, build relationships with all the guys that we believe in. And we really need to like hunt down everything from everyone we believe in within a reasonable area so that we can really give the people access to, you know, 
all of the good stuff so that they can support agriculture and support good farmers, but also eat really well and not have to make a huge compromise in their kitchen. Nice. Can you give me a little more insight into how your farm operates? Like what, if I were to come hang out with you for a week, what does a normal week look like now? Um, so our farm and biz, or I should say business as a whole, actually, because maybe yeah. not just I, your farm individually. I mean, I, I think our farm is a really small component of our business. Like our goal right now is really to just do one or two items in the box every week. And the things that, that our other farmers aren't doing. So I'm, you know, on our farm, we're just looking to do, you know, the, the boutique lettuces, the pickling items, the funny varieties of, you know, beets and turnips and things that other people aren't doing, you know, really. So that the farm is super small and, you know, Katie should really like tell you about the business because the business is really. So we pack our boxes Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. So that's kind of what Monday, Monday, we're basically the bulk of the produce. Well, the the produce comes in for, for Tuesday, Wednesday. And so we have the warehouse going, orders are coming in. Um, You know, we're, we're in the warehouse or the office, like printing the sheets, getting all the, the back end orders ready. Um, So the way we try to make it happen is that we want everything fresh picked. And so our farmers, you know, have crews that are, you know, harvesting everything on Monday for Tuesday. We've got another harvest going on Wednesday for Thursday. And Mm -hmm. so we're trying to, you know, the whole deal is like, we don't want stuff sitting in our warehouse. We want it coming in from the field, getting cooled down in the warehouse and going back out to you. So, you know, the bulk of our week is receiving and managing orders, coming up with, you know, fixing problems. Like these guys are constantly like we're constantly, you know, Katie's dad is laughing at us coming in short with 600 bunches when he needed 800 and we're. Yeah. I mean, and it's just, it's just a constant. Yeah. So Mondays we're at the warehouse Tuesdays we're you know, we're, we, we have a night crew on Monday nights packing the boxes. And then on Tuesday mornings, we have the day crew that comes in and finishes the customized grocery aspect. Then we have the deliveries come going out Tuesday afternoon in our vans. And then we do the same thing Wednesday. Meanwhile, on the back end, we have inventory that's happening. And so, you know, the ordering, the ordering lady can like put in the orders and then it's just this constant, like revolving big thing of, like getting the produce, making sure you have enough, like, um, you know, and then like, like if, if there's any mistakes, we got to fix them at the end of the week. It's really planning the boxes for the following week, updating the store on the website with the inventory and like getting all the new products on there. And then Fridays, like today's are kind of our chill day. Like, you know, we have to process some refunds. We're kind of like the store's up for next week. It's kind of like a, Oh, we got through this week again. Like, oh, we take a breather, and we're like, okay, like, and then we kind of reflect on like what happened this week. How can we do better? Like, you know, it's that's not- when you have your organic wine. Yeah, I mean, I'm in front of the <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But you know, I'm in front of the computer a lot. People think mm. that I'm out on the farm. Um, we do have like a farm manager, and it's great. We have some of our team members harvesting on the farm. But as far as for me, like, I'm really in front of the computer a lot and um 
Yeah. You're like in the logistics business. Yeah. It's, the, business. it's a logistical. You have no idea. You know, and it's just, I, I mean, our the, whole the business. Perishable logistics business. Perishable logistics. And our whole business runs on a software. And so there's little glitches that, mm. you know, can really mess things up. And, um, and don't throw in the rain and then don't throw in the heat. And don't throw in, you know, all of the like natural issues. You know, uh, yeah, it's just, it's just like a whole bunch of, it's just crazy. I don't know. Wow. Well, even what you just mentioned about the perishable side, because Uh your, your stuff is coming locally from somewhere close. Um, What is your timetable from the time that it's actually picked to the time that it's usually being dropped off to either a drop off point at somebody's house? 24, 48 hours. Oh my gosh. Crazy. Yeah, Yeah. It's, it's, it's fast. It's gnarly. Um, so it's, it's a lot of cars going back and forth from the farms and, um, well, I mean, it, it's a lot of delivery vehicles now, you know, because mm. we, it, we had it down where like our carbon footprint for delivery wasn't that bad prior to COVID because it was like, you know, one truck from the farm to the warehouse and then, you know, 200 boxes to a drop point. But, you know, now like with COVID, it's like each of those 200 boxes is now going to an individual house. So there's definitely a lot more travel. And so, you know, it's 2020. We are, you know, we understand that like, you know, the writing's on the wall. Amazon's taken over the world. You can't go backwards in time. You know, what we're hopeful for is electric delivery vehicles. (laughs) You know, like it's 2020. Like why is my best delivery vehicle getting 22 miles per gallon? That's a joke. (laughs) And that's the best I can get in the industry right now. Come on, Tesla. Yeah. You're like, I just need a nice van that's chilled. Oh, just dude. Get- yeah. That, that, yeah. You know, like we, for a while we were like toying with the idea of ripping the backs off of Priuses and putting boxes on them. And it's called a, them, are you ready? Pruck. Yes. A pruck. A Prius truck. Oh my gosh. Is that a real thing? <laughs> it's a real thing. Item? No, it's, you can Google it. Is it? You found Somebody it once. It? A pruck. Yeah, dude, it's real. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. the farm cart logo on one of those. Oh my that's gosh, amazing. it just is. You know, I mean that. That's the thing is like there is. So we are really good at you know working with really good farmers, bringing really clean, epic, wholesome, super dense, flavorful food direct to your door, fresh. Nice. But there is so much room in this industry to handle transport to handle, you know, packaging, to handle trash, to handle plastics in the field, to handle, you know, like, and then like, and then you just get, and that's just like the basic problems. And then you get into like, you know, the, the farming practice issues where, you know, like, you know, we choose people based around them using compost basically at this point, you know, and that's not even a standard in organic practices at this point, let alone like regenerative or utilizing animals in the field. It's like, there's a, you know, we're excited. The bigger we can get, the more we can push and Mm. cause change. Can you tell me more about that with the, the compost and organic side of what that means for you? So, you know, compost is really like the foundation of healthy soil, you know, and, you know, traditionally the ground was covered plant, you know, animal life was decaying on the soil. There were animals, you know, roaming through there, like the ground was covered. And so it was protected with, you know, modern agriculture and big tillage equipment. The ground is open and exposed and dries out all the time. 
So mm-hmm. it, it's no longer a carbon sink. It's, you know, a carbon source. So every time the ground is tilled, you know, it releases tons and tons of carbon. And so there's been, you know, the idea of no-till farming, but no-till farming was basically developed by, you know, the people who make glyphosate, who make Roundup. And so it requires Roundup to work. And so, you know, kind of the next idea is that, you know, like rather than no till, it's that you do permanent beds and you keep building them with compost. And so that way, you know, your soil is always safe. It's always alive. It's always being protected. The microbiology in that soil is always thriving because, you know, every time you flip until you dry and kill the microbiome in your soil. Wow. Do you see that? Uh, increasing on a mass scale for more farms uh, adopting that on a larger scale, or is it no, just really not challenging? Yet. Okay, not, not not yet. I think that we're you know about ten years out from you know things really changing in that realm, and I still there's not enough commercial compost you know, being done at scale, there's not enough food waste being captured, there's not enough, you know, right now in the US, we really have a blind spot for our trash, Mm. and for, you know, what we throw away and how it's utilized. So, you know, until we start adopting more of a Japanese mindset, where, you know, there's four different types of plastic bins to throw your plastic in, because there's four different ways to recycle that plastic. Hmm. And there's, you know, one type of paper bin and there's one type of food scrap bin and each of those has a deliberate home. We're not going to really be able to create compost and get it implemented at the price in the scale that it needs to be at to turn and change the practices of a lot of these huge farms. Because, Hmm. you know, you go to Oxnard and you see, you know, a hundred acre strawberry field. That would require a lot of compost for that field to be functional. And so it's cheaper and easier for those guys to rely on the chemical industry mm-hmm. and to fertigate their fields, cover it in plastic, rip the plastic up, flip it, fumigate it, and go again. And so, you know, we're still pretty entrenched in the chemical post-World War One farming practices. But... You know, I think there's a lot of people in our generation that are trying to provide the affordable examples of how to change that because, you know, prior to chemicals, compost was standard. You know, there were lots of ways to make, you know, microbiology on your own farm with like basic rudimentary fermentation practices of things that were just around your ground and farms were diverse and healthy. Hmm. And crazily, that diversity really causes profitability to be a lot higher, but causes labor requirements to be a lot higher. So a lot of the like advertisement in big corporate farming is like, dude, you can be one guy on a thousand acres and one combine Mm -hmm. all by yourself and have no labor responsibility. And you can do it all on your own if you just spray at the right time and plant at the right time and have this, you know, half million dollar harvester. But the thing is, those guys are making like a hundred bucks an acre. Wow. Yeah. And also the food quality. Oh. I mean, getting that mass amount of spraying. Uh, we live by a, a few farms and you can definitely tell when they're spraying. Yeah. But I close up our windows. It's like, my gosh, it smells for a few days after that. Yeah. Um, 
what does that process look like? Actually, can you talk into about your food too? So that's a huge part where you might see food in the store and the organic looks just like it uh, from the outside. And also your, what I get in a farm box, um, farm cart box looks similar to it, but they're different. Um, can you talk to me about the quality too? So, you know, the, the like modern idea of NPK, which is like nitrogen, phosphorus, potassium, Basically, you know, like when the chemical industry recognized that, you know, petroleum products could be synthesized into good fertilizers, they recognized that, you know, with nitrogen, you can make a green plant, you know, with phosphorus, you could make it fruit with potassium, you could, you know, like, have a basic disease resistance package. But what they didn't recognize was that, yeah, you can make a plant that looks good. But if you give, you know, a carrot, grown under NPK to your grandmother and then you give her a carrot grown on a farm that is composting and is like looking at soil health they don't like your grandmother's gonna say like this chemical one like has no taste and this compost one tastes like what I grew up on Hmm. and so you don't end up with like a rich composition of flavors it's like wine like your vegetables have no terroir is that the right word I'm trying to drop natural wine words that I've just learned. I'll keep nodding if you want to keep dropping those words. (laughs) Thank you. I just made that word. Terroir, which is like the like, which means basically like, like there's no like complexity, you know, there's no depth. And that really has to do like our modern produce and our modern fruit have no depth. And if you analyze them for vitamins and you analyze them for, for nutrient composition, they're really shallow and they are not providing much of the vitamins and minerals that you need. Whereas when you farm in a system that has healthy, healthy soil and has all of the microbiology required to unlock all of the like millions of other things that we don't even really know about, you end up with something that's like rich and deep and way more beneficial for health. Wow. And it, so it's is all- the hope... Uh-huh. to take this and continue to show that it can be done. And then the hope is that more people adopt it. And even uh, what you're talking about, the Japanese model, maybe we get another third trash or fourth trash can um, to be able to have compost. And then that just adds back in. Is that, how does this happen on a mass scale then? So, you know, I think that there's gotta be like a hundred or a thousand Jason's and Katie's out in the world and, you know, a million of like, you know, someone else. And like, I think that like, I, I am like a firm believer in the global consciousness. And I always think that if I'm thinking something, mm-hmm. there's a lot of other people thinking the same thing. And, you know, you see it, you know, there's guys up in Los Alamos, there's guys in Oxnard, there's guys like, you know, in Vermont, there's people all around recognizing like one, like, why are we throwing food waste away? you know, I could compost it or I could feed the chicken. So like right now we're launching a little side program called better bucket where, you know, until the city starts collecting your food waste, we will for, for cheap. We'll take your food waste. We'll compost it. We're launching that in two weeks. Oh, nice. Yeah. We're pretty excited about that. Yeah. So I follow up on that. Yeah. So we're going to just be composting on our farm, you know, with your food scraps and, you know, feeding them to our chickens, making compost and, you know, because I need the compost materials on the farm and it's disgusting to see that stuff being thrown into the landfill. It takes 25 years for a banana peel to break down in an anaerobic environment, like a landfill. 
and wow. releases some ridiculous amount of methane in the process. It's, you know, it, it's little things, man. Wow. What have been uh, some of the most rewarding parts of this process, in addition to what you're talking about with the, the lady coming or saying this is the, the best tomato I've tried in years? You know, <laughs> that one right there, that's the one that got us off the cliff a couple times. For me, it's the little things. Yeah. You know, I feel like super blessed to like have my family, have time with them. Yeah, the lifestyle now. I mean, we're so lucky to be in a business where you're selling fresh food, you know, like mm. I, the lifestyle is so great, you know, like working on the farm, having access to fresh organic food. I mean, mm. how lucky are we? Like we super lucky, you know, like I, I don't think many people have tasted food. Like we have gotten, mm. to, you know, like we just, we feel so blessed and, um, our kids mow through like four containers of blueberries you know? <laughs> and like, we're poor, but like we have, but we're surrounded by so much good food, you know? And I, I think there's a, um, a connection between people that eat good food and just them, um, being happier, you know, mm-hmm. like it, your brain and your stomach, the connection and just the people who are around are so stoked and they're so happy and they're so thankful. And it's like this community that, appreciates it you know i feel like we're all on kind of the same page so yeah yeah and really like you know i sunrise organics like really gets me pumped (laughs) because and you know and and i I don't like i can't take any credit for their growth but we've been a part of it and it's been really rad to see good people and good farmers grow with us like like Chewy and Jesus are like this awesome like father son duo you know the father came from Mexico illegally learned English was like running John Givens's farm like underage because he was like such a go-getter and like you know they like transitioned into five acres you know a few years ago and now they're like 150 acres and you know those like seeing like like things get better and bigger and more sustainable for good people like mm-hmm. really, really gets me excited. And our team, like, man, if you could see how many like good, humble, young, kind, passionate people we're surrounded with right now, it's, you know, that really gets me excited. Hmm. That's amazing. What have been some ways that people have been able to get what you're saying? Um, maybe in a new way where maybe for years they've been hearing, yeah, I know organic is probably better, but it costs more. Um, so what have been some light bulb moments? You know, that's a great question. I don't really feel like when you're eating organic stuff that's in season, I don't think that it's much more expensive, you know? Yeah. Maybe you're buying out of season blueberries where they're $6 a pack, you know, but when they're in season, the price goes down and, you know, shopping at the farmer's market, getting a farm box, like there's not all these middlemen, you know, with the whole thing. It's like, you know, the, I don't really know conventional like carrot price, but I think it's probably like $2 versus two fifty. you know, and it's. And we really like, we want to give you the most amount of food for the best price possible. 
And like our, our whole thing is like built around like organic is like not a premium. It shouldn't be a premium. It should Mm. be, it's traditional. And so we should make it as accessible as possible. Like, yeah, now that we're like curating groceries, there's not that many organic groceries out there. And so like, yes, a lot of our organic grocery items and organic chips and things like that are expensive. But if you want to eat like a seasonal diet from local farmers and let us curate that, like Katie is saying, like, you're going to get a lot of food. Yeah, dude. And it's going to be affordable. My, I, my dad, my dad still does the farmer's market and he's, he has like prices from like 1980. I swear to God, <laughs> like he's like, he sells like heirloom tomatoes for like $2 a pound when like everybody else sends them for three fifty. but yeah. in the grocery store, like they're five. I mean, you just have to know yep. where to buy things. And like, it's, people are so used to buying all one thing at one place and you have to just, mm-hmm. you know, you have to go to the farmer's market. You have to go to the bakery. You have to go to the fish market, like to just support the right people and to get a better price and, and a better, and you get a better quality, quality. you know, and it's, it's yeah. a little bit more work, but, um, but it's, it's just time it. away from Instagram. <laughs> I think we can all sacrifice a little bit of that. Report every day. Oh God! Get off. I think you also touched on a really big part, which is the in season. That I feel like being in growing up in uh, America, we forget. We can forget what that means uh, because we've we've had massive grocery stores in Costco. Um, yeah, you're like, of course, I can get blueberries whenever I want, um, but that's not necessarily maybe like. I don't want to say the best or whatever, but what you're talking about is if you eat in season and have this rotating um, set of food, you could have great food at a good cost. That's tastes great. And it's healthy. Yeah. All the time. Yeah. We have, we have, um, there's items that are just basically always in season, you know, lettuces, um, carrots, scales, but then like the cucumbers, the tomatoes, the melons, like those are such a small season thing. Like today's the first day that we've had asparagus. We've been waiting for that mm. since January. Usually we see it in January, but today's nice. the first day. And I told people in that email this morning, I said, you better get it while you can because the season's only about four weeks. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I saw that email. I saw like the excitement <laughs> in that and the anticipation <laughs> in it. Roasted asparagus, bro. Oh, yeah. so good. So good. Yeah. Which I've also liked about that with you guys send out recipes and yep. not only like here's new food, but uh, here's some ways to enjoy it. Um, which I, I mentioned this or point is that I have had a, a close friend who's uh, been raving about you guys for probably at least the last year. Oh. She's been ordering for a while. Um, and she was saying one of her favorite parts is getting introduced to new food mm-hmm. that she had never tried. And, she's saying like how good it is um that she's like i would have never picked it up because it's not my normal thing um but then i got my first box i finally was like all right finally try it um and we eat oranges all the time but the oranges that i got from you guys were way better well and we buy good stuff they're like pixies were they the pixies they're like the little smaller ones. Yes. It, yeah, those are pixies from Ojai, and they're um, oh my gosh. they're grown by BD or Earthren, 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 Earthren. <laughs> um, but they're they're incredible. They just there's nothing like it, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, he's you know these guys care about their farms, and you know BD is like spreading mulch around his trees at the start of the winter to like capture all the moisture in the soil. You know he's like mm-hmm. he's foliar feeding them at like correct times like he 
Like BD is farming because he wants to care for the land. BD is the OG. Yeah. <laughs> He's the OG of the farmers. He is. Him and my dad. And yeah. and so like, you know, I mean, that's the thing then is like the intention that you put into your crops comes out in flavor. Hmm. And that that's why like you get one of our boxes and like your lettuce is going to be like more flavorful. Your carrots are going to be sweeter. Your oranges are going to be better. It's because, you know, it's not mass produced, you know, large scale stuff. It's still, you know, we're still kind of at like the cottage industry scale. And mm. so our farmers care. That's amazing. Um, well, I, I know you mentioned this before or earlier on, uh, but that how COVID had a huge impact on your business can you talk to me a little about that yeah um man (laughs) (laughs) what didn't impact right well the last question you asked like kind of ties into that which is you know what was the aha moment Hmm. and i think covid was the aha moment for a lot of people because there were a lot of people who were like still like healthy supermarket shoppers they weren't even really into you know the farmers markets and they were like oh my gosh how am I going to get fed? I need to, you know, I can't go to the market. I need it to my door. And so they came to us and then they got mm. boxes and they're like, what the heck is this? Everything is so much better. And we started getting a lot of like, like cute feedback from people being like, oh my gosh, my carrots were incredible. Were those real carrots? Like, are these, like I've never had a strawberry like that. And yeah. It, and um, it, it kind of exposed people to mm. this whole idea. Yeah. COVID's just been, it's just been the absolute craziest roller coaster I could ever imagine. I mean, we had five employees before COVID and then, man, we jumped from five employees to 30, maybe in three three weeks. We were asking everybody we could to help us get these boxes out. We, I mean, our business really blew up and we we're working like, I mean, I personally was working like 16, 20 hour days for like a good six weeks, just trying to hold it down. And, um, we came out of it really strong. Like we, we did great and we have a really good team. It's kind of gotten us this next level. Um, it's kind of funny before, before COVID our business was so small that we actually, my dream was to always open a restaurant. So we signed a lease on a restaurant. Oh, no way. Karen Carp. Wow. Um, and because before COVID, Farm Carding Angus was just so small and my dream was to have a restaurant. And so COVID hit and then, you know, our boxes kind of went to the next level. And now we're, um, you know, we're still cruising along. It's been steady, but also really smooth. And now we're actually having to, um, we're opening our restaurant. No way. In a couple months. So that's oh, been interesting. Soon. Yeah. Is that like we're trying to do both? And But they fit really well they together. They fit really well totally. together. Um yeah. it's just Can you share any about that yet or do you want to hold off? Yeah. Yeah. It's called the Good Plow. It's um located in a carpenteria. It's gonna be like a fast casual farm to table restaurant. Um with mostly little- vegan. <laughs> Sort of, nice. mostly vegan. Um, <laughs> the menu is definitely not finalized, and it's going to have a little market inside. Um, we're, yeah, 
well, I'm not we allowed. To, I'm not allowed, not allowed to talk to say, about this. We're not allowed to say it's too much, but, but we get into some marital <laughs> conflict when we start talking details on the restaurants. So well, far. nothing's for sure. So we have both have ideas and vision. Nice. And, you know, we're, yeah. we're back and forth from the cliff. We're going to meet in the middle. Yeah, that sounds about good. Yeah. So is the idea too to be able to sell from there? Is that a, like a core idea? Is to sell, but then also be able to serve food? Yeah, I mean the, the the core idea is to have like a real limited, rad, super flavorful, affordable, clean, you know, mostly plant based menu. Mm. And real, you know, we're gonna. It was so we took over the Foster Freeze restaurant in Carpenter. Oh no way! Yeah, nice, good spot. Yeah, That's so spot. <laughs> so we're 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 still gonna have soft serve. Um, it's gonna be organic, classic, just so we don't offend too many people. But the idea is to just consolidate everything and like give us like a real good home base where we can like really present like what we're all about. Have mm. you know, yeah. like Katie loves juicing. She makes insane salad dressings. Like we're really into pickling. You know, we encounter so many ingredients during the course of the year that, you know, we having a commercial kitchen where we can like really put them together into products is really awesome. Mm. And so we're, so we're going to start making our own products to sell into our farm boxes, like, you know, our own fresh pressed juice and soups and salad dressings and salad dressings, focaccia and I mean, hummus and spreads and wow. tomato sauce and canned tomatoes and pickled beets. And, you know, the list goes on. It's not going to, you know, it's just, it's just kind of starting. Um, so there's a lot and, happening in our world. Yeah. <laughs> Back to 20 hour days, it sounds like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and the space is really cool. It's going to have a huge patio. Um, we've got to like, you know, we're, we're diving into the natural organic wine world right now. So we're mm. curating like a really small but epic little offering of wine. So we're trying to make a space where like you can come and hang have wine and beer, your kids are going to be safe and you're going to get, you know, a killer little, you know, fast casual style meal, you know, outside in the sun with your family and friends. Wow. That sounds amazing. A couple months. Yeah. It's, it's really close. Like, you know, <laughs> it's the, we're kind of the inside we're getting to like the final stages. The equipment is about to get plugged in. Hmm. Um, but- we're in the, we're in the, Oh shit mode. Yeah. We better, we better start uh, figuring this out here. Yeah. But I think, I think if we could figure out COVID and like the, you know, we, we, we can figure this out. We got this. Yeah. No, for <laughs> sure. My, my anxiety is always peaking, you know, it's, it's going to peak whether I have a lot going on or not. I feel like, isn't that the nature of a small business owner anyway, is that there's, there's just something where you're wired to constantly problem solve and figure it out. And yeah. Nothing is ever sliding easy. It's just more of like a breath and you're yeah. always figuring out next and new. And I mean, excitement. we used to think we were busy, like back before kids, you know, like we sitting at the farm cart, <laughs> napping, like it's just your perspective. I mean, we're so busy now. It's unreal, but, but, but compared to who? Yeah, compared yeah. to who? It's just your perspective. I mean, it's just your perspective. Yeah. I mean, I'm- yeah. and exercising. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, taking time for yourself. Yeah. You got to take time for yourself. If you don't, you know, you just like, we didn't, you know, like COVID was really an eye opener after we got through those first six weeks and we were like, you know, running up and down the Riviera in an N95 mask and like we broke and it was like, we need to start taking care of ourselves and exercising and like having some like 
time to like yeah. get our minds straight. Wow. Well, I'm really excited to see more about that. I'll be following up on uh, the next couple of months. Yeah. Um, is there anything else you guys are working on that we can keep an eye out for? Um, so the better bucket, you know, compost from your home. That's, that's huge. We really want to get that under control. Um, we're working on getting a B certification right now. Katie, yeah. Katie nice. is really pushing that. And so we're really diving into our own trash. And so that's <laughs> going to be a big deal is figuring out, you know, like there's so many ways to do it better. You know, there's plastics to oil machines. There's like a million different solutions. And then, you know, where I'm also working on getting, um, accepting EBT, to reach more low income families. So we actually, mm. um, we have some cool things lined up with like bloodstone, the boots that we all wear. Um, they're actually, they just granted us money. I guess that's the right way to say it to put towards low income families. $10,000 so, nice. for $10, boxes, yeah, which is super boxes. sick. And nice. I think we're going to try to start forming a nonprofit so we can access so. So we can start delivering more boxes to low-income families. That's wow. that's actually and, and something community. we do right now. Customers mm. can purchase a box for a low-income family. We're not making any profit on it. We're just getting the boxes to their doors, um, and we're partnering up partnering up with People's Self Help. They do. They have housing units for low-income families from Fillmore all the way up to Santa Maria. God, I think there's like over a hundred housing units. There's more than that. There's more. They have 750 residents and, you know, they're predominantly agricultural workers, which is, you know, the major oxymoron is that the people with, you know, the least access to healthy food are people that are typically working in the conventional fields. So that that's something that we're super passionate about. And we've been trying to figure out how to do that and what we've been doing, you know, and we've been doing this on our own, teaming up with with, you know, people self-help housing for the last few years and, you know, doing kind of small scale stuff. But really, as we get bigger, I think, you know, Katie's really diving into, you know, forming a nonprofit where the entire objective is going to be trying to create a, a way for this traditional nourishing, wholesome food to be accessible to people in areas and in incomes that it's not accessible to. Because, you know, like we're super lucky to be living here in Santa Barbara and we're super privileged to be here. But why is healthy food a privilege? Hmm. You know, like and so that, that's kind of, you know, so like a big problem, a low hanging fruit thing where, you know, if we can, you know, get a few hundred thousand dollars in tax deductible donations from people hmm. in the course of a year, we can put a few hundred thousand dollars worth of food out you know into the hands of people that aren't getting it and you totally. know the we did a, a drop um a couple months back for people self-help and you know the driver wasn't available you know and i ended up being the driver and you know i speak a bit of spanish and it was really rad to hear an abuela on the site saying like hey like we get a lot of free food but we don't want it i'm so tired of getting cans and so tired of getting, you know, cornmeal and so tired of getting all this processed stuff. Well, and the, and the and secondhand, she, the, sorry, the, the produce that they have accessible is like secondhand, second quality type. It's like mm. processing grade stuff. It's not good. Which is rude. You know? You know? Yeah. It's, it, that's not what we, like, I want to, like, we want to bring, like, real good stuff to these people because they deserve it. And it was so rad for her to be like, 
I've been waiting in line for two hours for you guys to get here because <laughs> no it was so killer. I have, you know, and, and like, she's like, see over there, that's a pile of the junk that came last week. Your stuff is not going to get piled there. Everybody's fighting for it. Oh, that's amazing. That's so good just to give them good stuff too. Yeah. Cause you kind of forget about like, I mean, yeah. I think that's amazing. Do you guys advertise that a lot on your site or no, no, you know, we finally have like kind of the budget to have like some, some marketing help. So we're Mm. getting there. It's just slow. It's, Mm -hmm. you know, it was a five person operation before this. And we really took like seven months to just get us through COVID. And now we're kind of like breaking and doing better. It's on our website. It says donate a box. It's $25. Um, but we need to advertise it more for sure. Well, it's hard. Like, you know, you're not doing it for the like recognition. Yeah. Totally. You're just doing it because it needs to get done. And so it's like, you know, like everybody who knows us has been with us, like knows what we do, mm-hmm. you know, and everybody who is like kind of new, like you'll get like next time we do something, we'll try to include you. But until then, we're not gonna be like, hey, we did this four years ago, and that three years ago, and that mm-hmm. two years ago. But it is like a core value to us. And it's really like where we want to be going, you know, we want to be going to a place of like, really good farming, really accessible food, mm-hmm. and really accountable waste management, and, and as low of a footprint as possible. Nice. That is a great aim. Cool. Uh, well, is there anything else that uh, you guys covered a lot that we could keep an eye out for with the restaurant, the waste, uh, the wine, the beer um, that you guys have a lot going on? Yep. <laughs> I mean, I, I think the only thing that I would like kind of end it on is like, as a consumer, ask. Don't, you know, accept someone's like explanation at face value for anything. Mm. Dive into it because, yeah, there's organic strawberries coming from Mexico and they're all over Costco. But have you, did you drive through San Quentin, you know, six years ago and see the labor conflict happening with Driscoll's Mm. then? You know, do you really like, do you see like what's behind the scenes and what it took to bring that there? Mm-hmm. You know, because the everything is way more complex. And, you know, as like young people and as people who are looking to like drive change on the planet, if we just continue to take everything at face value and accept what's being told to us, nothing is going to ha- change that isn't like being created by a corporation. And mm-hmm. they're only changing based around like, when they have to, to retain their profits, they're not changing because they care. Yeah. I think that's a great point. Especially that we were talking about that. I learned that with Julia from Dune coffee, that there's so much more behind the scenes that if you were to just ask a little further about coffee of saying like, where's my coffee being grown from, you realize that some of the gardeners are being, or the, the farmers are operating at a loss. And same with that is that I would much rather spend my money knowing that it's not hurting people uh, in the farms. And that's the key, you know, and it's, 
it's a little more complicated to like figure out where that key is. But the thing is, if like you ask the coffee shop that question, Mm -hmm. you ask your food producer that question, you ask your clothing producer that question, and you start like looking back, then we can like avoid the Rana Plaza collapses of garment workers. Mm -hmm. You know, we can avoid the like Indian you know, like soybean farmers and cotton farmers like dying of cancers because they're spraying glyphosate to bring like cheap crops to market. We can, you know, avoid the like, you know, human smuggling labor issues in Mexico right now because of, you know, because we're not going to be buying those products. I mean, this is kind of relates, but something that was very eye opening when I, I'm not really much of a drinker. But when I we started launching beer and wine and I was adding <laughs> the wine to our website, I went in to add the ingredients. And I was like, oh, weird, there's no ingredients on this bottle of wine. Oh, wait, there's no ingredients on this beer. I'm like, how weird is that? They just must have forgot. And then I started researching it. And I was like, oh, my God, they don't have to list the ingredients for beer and wine. It's a completely unregulated industry. Like, what is going on? Like, we care about the sunscreen that we're putting on the face. Like we care about our shampoo and if there's like, you know, all these crazy things, but it's like, we're not even thinking twice about beer and wine. Like what is going on, you know? And that's just, and so it's cool to see some of the brands that we work with do list their ingredients because Mm -hmm. they're all of the brands we work with. Yeah. Yeah. They're transparent and you know, they're proud, you know, like the, the seltzers and um, the hard kombuchas, like they're so proud what they make it with that they write the ingredients, but it's just, you know, it, there's just this, um, there's an old way of doing things. Yeah, It's just weird. And, you know, and it's a lack of transparency and it's a, you know, the customer doesn't need to know. And a mm. lot of that, like lack of transparency, there's a huge amount of deception hidden in there. And, you know, people are thinking like, Oh, it's, you know, malted barley and wheat and water and you know but really like how is it being preserved why is it gold what was the bacteria that was introduced to it so that this whole batch you know like all of the beer tastes exactly the same or all of the wine mm-hmm. tastes exactly the same <laughs> and you know there's a that lack of transparency to me like really shows me that there's something wrong and so you know for us, like getting into products like Katie was saying, she's like, what the heck? Like, you're not saying anything. I was like, okay, well then let's just start right here with like, if you don't list your ingredients, we're not working. Mm. And, you know, and, and go from that point forward. So at least because I figure like, you know, the modern age is one of transparency. And so like you start with that point and then you just go from there. And, you know, there's just, you know, the other thing, like not to keep rambling, but you know, there's just a lot of, like she was saying, like gray area in food and beverage and a lot of area for there to be cheating, you know, and, and or there just to be like a false idea put, in, put out for the consumer. Like one of the biggest ones to me is like, you know, GMO, like non-GMO wheat, non-GMO soy, non-GMO corn, and non so you know those like three main commodity crops even when they're grown non-gmo and they're you know but they're they're usually always harvested with roundup 
at the very end of their production so that the crop can be dried uniformly mm. and run through a combine. So you end up with huge amounts of Roundup on the finished product. But in our minds, when you see non-GMO, you think no Roundup. And you think, oh, they're just not certified organic, but that's almost as good as organic. But really, like if you did glyphosate testing on those not certified organic, non-GMO commodity crops like that, you would probably find more Roundup residue on those foods than on GMO foods. That's surprising. It's scary. Wow. You know, and it, and it comes down to like, you know, if you don't, and that's a lot of why we're in agriculture is because like, I want to understand mm-hmm. to that level so that I can make those correct decisions and protect my people, mm-hmm. you know, which is how we look at everybody that comes and gets involved with us is like, you're our people. We're, we're here to protect you. If we can't, you know, protect you, we're going to show you who can. If mm-hmm. we aren't the best, we're going to show you who is the best. Wow. Yeah, I'm sure this just keeps pulling back layer after layer where now you with this knowledge, then you go into the grain industry. And then you talked about like going into the beard wine industry. Yeah. Um, but hopefully, if nothing else, you just get, get people starting to ask questions where now um, more people will want to spin around their wine bottle to find the one in the store that lists those ingredients. Um, yeah, I, I went to a natural uh, winery a few years back, it was sharing, he's like, there's a reason why, uh, they can get wines, like a natural product to all taste the same. And he's like, it's not a natural process to make that happen. No, He's like, you would expect a natural product that has different environmental effects year to year tastes different. Um, but he's like, that's, that's bad or that's potentially dangerous quote unquote for their sales because this tastes different, but he's like, that's a better product. So anyway, I think that there's a lot to just to learn about that, that we haven't, that hasn't been shared widely. Well, so I'm excited to hear more about that. The, the most interesting thing about all that is like it, it all goes back to the exact same place. And it's a place that we would have never. Sorry. We're right by a train track and there's a train going by. So I, I think the most interesting thing about that is that it all goes back to the same place. And it's a place that, you know, 10 years ago, we had no idea as human beings it really even existed, mm. let alone how important it is for our health and the planet's health. And that's, you know, bacteria and microbiology and the microbiome. So, you know, with natural wine, the way that you make a buttery Chardonnay buttery is that when you get your grapes in, you kill all the natural bacteria on your grapes by adding sulfite, and then you introduce the bacteria that makes it taste buttery. And so it's a bacteria introduction, and it's a single bacteria introduction. And it's basically the same in farming. You know, if you want to, you know, you have BT ready corn. And so you're introducing, you know, a bacteria that's going to like dominate. And so you can, you know, spray things that don't kill that bacteria. And so you can keep the plant alive. And then same with our stomach, you know, what they're saying now, like there's the biggest indicator of health is having a broad variety of bacteria in our upper and lower GI tracts. Whereas, you know, the idea before was like in wine, it was like, you're sick, kill everything. Mm. 
and then you'll you'll kill the sickness also. But what comes back are things that you know are strong and resistant, and so you end up with strong and resistant items that need stronger and you know more intense killers to continue. And so I, I think like, you know, I'm just kind of getting into this, but it, it seems like, you know, the small things that we don't see on the planet, the biology, you know, in the soil, the biology on in our stomachs, the biology, you know, you know, on our plants are really what we've overlooked and what we need to come back to. Hmm. I learned a ton. I am. Uh, I know you alluded to this, or Katie alluded to you doing a podcast, but I would fully support that to be able right? to learn more about this. People have I to think be it's educated, and it's a matter of yeah. where do you go to get all this information. And I'm advocating him to have a podcast, but we're kind of busy right now. I don't know. Just a little bit. I'm too controversial. It's like I would get really bored and go deep and like start offending people. <laughs> it's usually a good place to be. <laughs> That means you're probably telling more truthful things when you're offending people. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, I think that's huge. This is uh, one of my favorite parts about learning this is just I can make better informed decisions once I can look back a few layers deeper. Yeah. Um, and it takes time. And it just obviously sometimes just takes me exposed because this is like usually the process that doesn't make more money. So there's less marketing dollars behind it. Yeah. But it's the thing that actually makes the world a better place to be in. So, um, yeah, I love what you guys are doing. This is exciting for me. Um, uh, well, I'd love to wrap it up just cause you guys have, um, I feel like I could talk for another couple hours. I have so many more questions, <laughs> but, uh, we'll look forward in the future. Uh, where's the best place for people to learn more about you and, uh, to follow along? Um, our website is a good start farmcartorganics.com. Um, our Instagram's also just farm cart organics and it's pretty much all we do. Yeah. You know, come to the good plow. Um, you know, all of our people are kind, knowledgeable, like come, come have conversations with us, come get involved, you know, peruse our Instagram. Um, you know, hopefully like with COVID opening up, we'll be able to have more little small events. You know, we're going to do a little compost seminar for our employees at our farm uh, next week. And as COVID kind of opens up, we hope to do more of that stuff. Nice. But, you know, Instagram, farm cart organics website, farmcartorganics.com. There's a lot of stuff on there. So if you like go through the blog, if you're into reading, mm -hmm. and, you know, I respond to emails. So <laughs> You know, if you have a question or something you're interested in, like shoot us something through the website. Like his personal email is Jason no. at farmcartorganics.com. Everybody <laughs> he's he's cringing that yes. I said that. Jason at farmcart organic. <laughs> Call me out. I'll respond. Get, bring ideas. Like I, I you know, there's so many better ways. And it's kind of like, you know, the the issues are daunting and mm -hmm. it's hard without help to see what the lowest hanging fruit is. And so, you know, like we know where we're trying to go, but sometimes we don't see the fastest way to get there. Mm. And so, you know, it's nice to have people that are humble and are like striving to come and like, like, Oh, you guys have all this. We could easily do that with what mm. you have. Like, <laughs> yeah, you guys mentioned a number of 
problems. I can imagine a bunch of entrepreneurs or whomever to say, you would just said there's a problem with collecting um, compost or collecting uh, waste that can be composted. And I'm just thinking like, oh my gosh, there's so many ways to be able to do that efficiently. Scott, plastic is the big one, dude. Plastic in agriculture is mind boggling. And there's a simple solution in Japan. They're boiling their plastic down to create bunker fuel that they distill into kerosene and diesel. It's like, until we get out of plastic, like, why are we burying that stuff? We should just be farming our tractors with our own plastic waste until we get to have electric tractors, which I'm hoping is soon. What's that one going to be called? It's the Prius tractor. No, there's a company out right now. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's called soul track are the guys that are doing it right now. Nice. And they're kind of in their prototype phase. I think they raised, you know, a million and a half, um, in one of the crowdfunding sources. And so nice. we've yet to see the tractor, but I want one. I'm so sick of breathing diesel. Well, looking forward to seeing that. Um, well, for anybody who has not ordered a box yet or ordered anything from you, what do you normally recommend for somebody's first? You know, <laughs> as much as I like to sell my products, I usually tell people to start with a sm- our smallest box. It's called an essential box. It's only 1225. Um, we tell people exactly what's coming in their box and it's kind of great because they can kind of build, if they want more, they can add add add-ons. And so they can kind of build it out exactly how they want it kind of while still supporting the farmer each week, still being on a subscription thing where you get your base box. Um, but it's a good starting point, you know? Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, cause like you, we are a CSA, so there's a compromise. Like you got to join, you got to show loyalty, you got to be predictable. But with that said, like it's 2020, man, we all want what we want when we want it. Do you know it's 2021? Oh, it's 2021. <laughs> <laughs> You're behind us. Yeah, it's 2021. We all want what we want when we want it. And so like, I think kind of the smartest way to like, to be a part of us is like get the small box and then shop get exactly what you want Hmm. you know curate your own thing and then it's like you know it's like a two for one like you're supporting local farmers you're being super accountable to them we're being predictable to them we're being like the backbone that we want to be to them but you're getting everything you want yeah Hmm. um so we deliver from galita down to calabasas (laughs) hoping to hit la in the next uh, six months. When we're not scared. But, you know, that's, <laughs> nice. that's a whole lot of yeast. Uh, but, yeah, if you live uh, from Goleta to Calabasas, we're your veggie people. Love it. And now you're natural Dressing. people. <laughs> Dressing and juicing, hopefully soon. Yeah. Yes. We were just talking about that last night, how we're just so desperate for good, fresh salad dressings. It's like. It's hard to find. It's super hard to find. Yeah. So. Cool. Well, thank you guys again so much. Uh, I've really loved our time and I've learned so much. Uh, I feel like I have so much more to look up now. Hopefully I'll find it on your site. If not, I know of an email address yeah. um, for all the questions. <laughs> Perfect. Get that guy. <laughs> cool. Well, thank you again, Jason and Katie. We'll be yep. talking soon. Thank yeah. you, Scott. All right. Thank you for including us, man. We appreciate it. Of course. I hope you've enjoyed this episode and have learned of new ways to help. For more details beyond this interview, head to thesmallpodcast.com. This project was birthed out of the desire to show the big impact of supporting small businesses. If you know of any other compelling people or stories that should be shared, 
please get in touch at thesmallpodcast.com. Thanks for joining me.